podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It slightly favours the right footer here, but Griffiths, having got the goal, goes again. So when Bertie left and Walter Smith came in, did it cross your mind that this could be a way back in for me here? Um, probably part of me was hoping that, you know, because I'd missed the international football. I'd been out for a couple of years, you know, not playing. And I kind of, although I, w- I was still playing at Everton, still running about it at Everton and still, you know, trying to prolong my career as much as I can. So... Um, I probably had a hope rather than an expectation that he was going to call me, but when he did call me, obviously I was I was delighted. He'd signed me for Everton, Walter, so I knew Walter, I knew how he worked, and I knew it'd be enjoyable. And um, you know, I didn't have any hesitation when he asked me. And it was, as I said, not having played for a couple of years, missing out on the opportunity, it was a it was nice to get back in and and feel that again. There are I've heard a couple of times that the the shift in squad dynamic and mentality was massive when Walter Smith came in with McCoyst and Tommy Burns alongside him. The, yeah. There was just a, a massive lift there. And w- when he was appointed, he, he got all the boys together, um, I think near Manchester for, for a get-together where he laid out his his plans and, and what he wanted from the national team. Was Is that something you can remember clearly? Were you involved yeah, in I that? Remember. I do, yeah, I remember. That was kind of my first sort of time back and it was just it was in Manchester it was at Mottram Hall which isn't far from where I live and we went and we had the meet up and it was very Walter spoke and just explained what he he thought was going to be necessary and what he expected from us and you know he said you know I'll be very loyal as long as you're loyal to me and you know we speak face to face and stuff he says which was a problem in the past there was so much going on and leaking and getting out and stuff so it was just a an adult conversation and that's the way Walter is and it was a matter of you know I won't let you down don't let me down and we had we had, we had fun we had a couple of beers got to be honest and you know we 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 relaxed together and you know I think everybody was excited and looking forward to being part of it and um, obviously there's no games no football or anything like that at the time it wasn't any um, games to play it was just a matter of kind of setting the ground rules and, and how it was going to be moving forward so um, that was the kind of the kind of start of the Walter era. That seems like something that just wouldn't happen now. I know it's only 15 years ago, but for example, when Steve Clark was appointed, I can't imagine at all that he would organise a get together somewhere convenient for all the players that he had in mind to come along for for a chat and, and a couple of beers. Yeah, well, that's pretty much what it was, and it was it was per- it was what the place needed. I mean, Bernard Walter's intelligent. Walter knew like a lot of players. And, and this is unfair, weren't enjoying it towards the end of the time, primarily because the results weren't good in Bertie's reign. So, you know, that it was a matter of getting everyone together again and getting back to basics and, and probably just a reset in terms of, you know, what playing for Scotland was and what it could be like. And I think that was Walter's way of doing that, was just kind of saying, right, here's how it is. Um, not saying what has happened in the past is wrong, but this is how I'm going to work. And, you know, if you want to be part of it, you know, let's let's... Let's chat about that. And th- these are my kind of 
rules, if you want, in terms of how I'd like to do things, know how I like to do things, how I'm going to do things. So, you know, it's very clear in terms of what you you were expected to do. From the outside looking in, he does feel like somebody that just commands respect by his very presence, um, that there's a an automatic, um, yeah, an automatic respect for, for him, um, a discipline instilled in the players, um, a bit more organisation. Is that the way that, that he operates? Um, yeah, but I mean, that comes as a result of what he's done, you know, in terms of what he'd done at Rangers and how he worked at Everton and his reputation within the game, as well as what he is as a person. And, you know, if you don't know him, you'll that'll be his reputation. But if you do know him, that'll still be his reputation. So he's very, very clear cut and very um, straightforward in terms of how he works. And, you know, you know, if you, you respect him, you work hard for him, then he'll do exactly the same for you. And that's all you can really ask, to be honest. And um, I think that was probably what he was getting across during that meeting, that he has got an aura and he has got a presence. And But you know, that's a result of him as a person, but also what he's achieved within the game. It was it was quite a good start for Walter Smith. I know that we were beaten by Belarus, which kind of put up put an end to any slim hopes we had of making the World Cup. But either side of that result, we got the draw against Italy. We beat Norway. We went to Slovenia and won comfortably. Did it feel like this was maybe the start of something better? Yeah, it did. And there was some younger players like Dan Fletcher and Fadi and and people like that were starting to come into the squad as well. And like you say, we we're getting results so based round results, but going to Slovenia, which is a difficult game, I think we won 3-0 and, you know, getting a draw against Italy and, and being competitive again and feeling like you had a chance again, I think was was really, really important. And the environment you were in, like with Ali McCoyst and Tommy Burns, who both good coaches, you know, good information and, and good in different ways, but also like good fun, you know, so you're, you're actually enjoying going away again. You're actually enjoying the environment you're in, you're actually being allowed to relax as well. You can at the right time you can relax, you can you can have a beer or you can have a day off or you whatever it is at that time that or a game of golf or whatever it is at that time to actually withdraw a wee bit. So it was actually you look or I looked forward to going away again, which is you know a really underestimated aspect of being an international footballer. The games are great, but there's sometimes can be a 10 day, 12 day build up to that game and what you do between now and then has a big impact on the actual performance and the, the environment you create. Who were you particularly close with in the in the Scotland squad? At various times, I was. I'd, I'd like to think I was close with everyone. I, you know, as you you go in younger, you're you're probably with the younger guys. So I was probably like with Scott Gemmell and Christian Daly. They were kind of my era when when we went into the squad, and then you become um, involved in the teams, and then it became like. James McFadden and Lee McCulloch and Graham Alexander and different Alan McGregor and Barry Ferguson, so players like that, Chris Boyd. And then towards the latter part, you, you end up being a senior figure, whereby you're, I mean, I was always pretty senior, but, <laughs> um, you know, the, the kids are, they, they could be a kid, some of them, when they're, they're coming into the squad. So you end up probably being maybe a wee bit closer to the coaches and the manager than you are to the players. So you, you almost try and and become a wee bit of a mentor for the players. So the younger ones who are coming into the squad, you, you, you're still close with them, but it's probably a little bit of a different relationship. You're in a different, well, I was in a different generation to, to them. So I just tried to support them, help them wherever I could. Does the, how much does the, 
the squad cohesion and, and the friendship translate off the park to on the park? Is it so important, especially at international level, that the players are getting along and enjoying their time together in the lead-up to games before they go on to, to play them? I think it does. I think it's the biggest part, if I'm being honest, in terms of you know what you do away from the pitch and, and how you fill that time and, and how much you enjoy each other's company. And I think that it's the same at a club. If you get on well with the people you're working with and, and competing with, then you don't have to be best friends and not everybody's going to be best friends and spend every minute every day with each other but you've got to have a common goal and you've got to have you know your your downtime's got to be got to be fun and you've got to look forward to going away you've got to look forward to going into work which which whatever way you dress it up that's what it is it is work so you've got to enjoy that and I think if you enjoy it if you're going in um, looking forward to it then there's a much better chance of having a positive outcome than you know you can tell by the number of call-offs. You can tell by the numbers of players who who aren't selected. And, you know, if Walt, if you weren't selected by Walter, you know, you'd everybody would know beforehand. You'd the player would speak to Walter saying, "Look, this isn't working." Walter would wouldn't select him. There'd be nothing made of it. He just wouldn't be in the squad. So it was done in the right manner. You know, whereas a lot of other occasions it was very public and it was a fallout and it was like drama and. All these things add to the negativity that surrounds it. Talking about good relations off the park, then I'm assuming that the the Kern Cup was quite an enjoyable time away in the Far East. I mean, we won a yeah. trophy, which uh, for a start is is a great thing. Um, but at the, it was an end of season trip, wasn't it? Uh-huh. Did you still have club games when you came back for that, or was it a proper, um, really enjoyable uh, session? I suppose away with the Scotland guys. Yeah, it was. It was end of season, but as you say, it was a tournament. And we'd taken quite a few younger players, you know, to that tournament as well. You know, so people who were just starting out their international career. And as I said, I've travelled everywhere. I loved the end of season tours and I loved going away and I missed it when I wasn't playing. So, you know, to go to Japan for me and just be in Japan, that that was enough for me, whether it was football or not. So I I was up for it. And obviously, as I said, Walter made it fun. So you got your time to relax, you got your times to sightsee, you got your times to do all the things that you want to do, but you also had to work hard as well. So it was it was a great trip. I know I've got great memories of that trip as well. Some great laughs and and some good times on the pitch as well. Like you say, picking up a trophy and played against Japan. We got absolutely battered in the second game, but we got a result and I think was it was it Hungary or what was the first uh, game? Bulgaria five one. Bulgaria, sorry. Bulgaria in the first game we won four or five nil I think or four or five one and Chris Boyd and Chris Burke scored goals and so these guys were getting the early sort of tastes of international football along with a lot of others and um, really good memories of that trip and as I say with the people that were organising it you knew it was going to be fun but you also knew it was going to be hard work. Is there anything that stands out off the off the park that gives you a chuckle when you think about it from that trip? Yeah loads but I can't tell you. No. <laughs> <laughs> no there was lo- we had a we had a really good time there, really did. We had um, after the game, you know, we had a night over, we stayed over and we had a few beers afterwards and, you know, we had a lot of fun and, you know, the the kind of rules were just make sure you're back in the hotel for the bus leaving in the morning to to get to the airport to get back home. So you can imagine the state <laughs> of some of the players and the staff, by the way, <laughs> on that bus to the airport. So, like, these are the, these are the things that, you know, you remember and it's no... It's not for public consumption. It's not, you know, it's not fair. But nothing too untoward. But just boys being boys and having good fun and 
that all adds to you know what goes after that and and what came before. That's a pretty reasonable curfew, mind you. Just make sure you're on the bus tomorrow morning. <laughs> yeah. Um, the, that was treating you like an adult. You know, that yeah. genuinely was the environment. You know, you were given certain parameters. That wasn't always the case, don't get me wrong. But, you know, you knew the rules. And, you know, as long as you abided by them, and then, you know, it's what you do in that time's up to yourself. <laughs> that is that, that then the springboard for for moving on to the qualifiers for Euro 2008, in which we came so close and ran both the World Cup qualifiers to within an inch of their lives. Definitely. And, you know, you look at those groups and you look at the quality of opposition we're playing and how competitive we were in those games. You know, that's the summer, you know, the parts were greater than, you know, the summer parts, if that makes sense, or I've not really said that right, but you know what I mean in terms of who we were competing with and, and how we were doing and some of the results we were getting, there was something within that group that, that made it special. And those trips to Japan and that meeting we had in Manchester and, and all these things contributed and contribute to that and what happened in between to get those results and give yourself the chance and in really difficult groups. So, and that was why, you know, these things were done. They weren't done by accident. They weren't done um, for no reason. They were done with a... Um, the aim of making us, giving us a better chance to be successful in the pit. When when the draw's made, though, it must have been a nightmare because, yes, you want to test yourself against the best, probably in friendly games, just as a gauge to see how far a team is coming. But when there's qualification and competitive games on the line, you don't want both of the World Cup finalists and Ukraine in your group, do you? <laughs> no, you don't, no. But you do as well because as you... As you said, you're going to play against some of the best players in the world in some of the best stadiums in the world. And um, it was kind of Scotland. That's kind of what you expected with Scotland. You kind of expected a tough gig. And, you know, we were always better in tough gigs. And I was I was excited. I, I thought, you know, to have the opportunity to play against these players and in those games and what Hamden would be like on those occasions. You know, it was something to look forward to. So it's all about how you, how you frame it, I suppose, and how you look at it. And we saw it as an opportunity and we believed in ourselves. That group really believed in ourselves. There was a real good feeling around the group and we knew it was going to be difficult, but we also felt we had a chance. It was a routine start against the Faroe Islands, 6-0, but then an important That's victory. That's not really a routine start, is it? You know, Scotland against the Faroe Islands, <laughs> Celtic Park, wasn't it? I remember that game. Yeah. It, that was a difficult game. They're, they're difficult games and we won 6-0 at a canter and that kind of gives you confidence. You know, you go... Scotland scoring six goals, that doesn't happen very often. And Scotland against Faroe Islands, that's not always got a positive outcome. So, <laughs> yeah, fair point. Like we're saying that now, oh yeah, that was expected, but it wasn't always expected. And, you know, that probably was the the catalyst to, to the, a decent campaign. Well, the, the, the following game away to Lithuania was was the one that was a bit of a comfort blanket because those are, in it, from my memory anyway, that, that's a sort of really tricky tie, but we came away with the win and then we beat France the next game and suddenly it was nine points from nine. So, yes, we had the Faroes in Lithuania in the first two, but Lithuania away from home is not, not the easiest. And then France at home obviously brings its own problems. Absolutely. And as I said earlier, all these games are tough, you know, regardless of the opposition. And, you know, you've got to encounter... Going to Lithuania is a really difficult place to go. I've been there a few times and had good and bad results. And it's not an easy country to get in. It's not... Pitches aren't always great and... You know, there are complications and difficulties, so to navigate that's really, really important. And then, you know, you throw in France and 
what they've got and, you know, getting any form of result against them is a positive. So like you say, you get nine points from nine from um, different games, but difficult games was a was an outstanding start. Let's talk about the France game then. At that point, it must have been one of the, the greatest nights of your career. Um, yeah, it was definitely. It was a, you know, world champions and, you know, some of the best players in the world, you know, genuinely iconic players were playing and competing against them. And it was back to the wall. Let's not make any um, claims that we outplayed them or we, you know, we ran over the top of them. It was back to the wall and we nicked it on a set piece. You know, that's kind of how the game was, but that was our best chance of winning. And Walter had set us up in that way to, to give us the best chance, which is what he does. So we knew we weren't better than them. We knew we weren't going to outplay them, but we knew we could possibly outfight them and um, frustrate them and we could hurt them if we you know we, I think it probably would have been Kenny Miller up front from memory who who on his own up front at times was outstanding so there was you know we definitely had hope going into the game but did we expect to win it? Probably not. It, the levels of concentration required during that game must be humongous it, the, the intensity and, and also the the, the energy flowing down from the, from the stands after we go 1-0 up with only about 20, 25 minutes to go. Uh-huh. It, it must sap so much out of you. Yeah, it does. It's, it's a massive build-up, you know, for obvious reasons. But you've got to remember at that time, you know, we were a good team as well. We were, like, primarily Rangers and Celtic players from memory. You know, primarily players who were playing for those clubs, who were playing, competing in the Champions League, who were playing at a really good level where you're, Dan Fletcher's added in and your, you know, different players from, you know, other good clubs as well coming in. So we were a good team and we were used to playing in competitive games. You know, Rangers and Celtic were both in and around the Champions League um, games at that time. were competing equally on a national level as well, which I think helped. So that was a really robust competitive group and you're playing against some of the best players. But as I said, you think you've got a chance because we're used to winning and we're used to competing. And that's, you know, a good place to start from. When the when the final whistle went against France, what's what, what pours out of you? Is it just unbelievable delight and joy or are you, are you floored uh, with relief? Um, no, delight and joy. And a little, not really relief. You know, you were, we'd have been hanging on and we'd been defending for our lives, I'm sure. And it was an unbelievable result. And, you know, the stadium, as you know, would be absolutely jumping. So it would just be... Um, elation and enjoyment and a sense of relief because it's over and you've done it and it was great going into the dressing room I remember going into the dressing room it just felt like another person would come in you know like Sir Alex Ferguson came in and Andy Roxburgh came in and I just remember like different people coming in the dressing room you're going oh, was he here or were they you know it, was such, it felt like it was such a big occasion for um, Scottish football and Scotland in general to win that one particular game. I'm not sure why, but it just felt like it was a it was um you know a kind of life-changing event as such. The the next game against Ukraine is just one of those games, the tough opponent away from home and they, they saw yeah. us off 2-0. But still nine points from a possible 12 was a, a cracking start to the group and everything looked rosy in the garden and then suddenly Walter Smith was off to Rangers, soon to be joined yeah. by you in, in fact. But at, at the time before you he, he went first before you did. So was it a bit of a shock uh, initially when, when you heard, gosh, Walter's leaving? Yeah, 
it was, to be honest, because, you know, he'd done so well in terms of what he'd done at Scotland. And I think, you know, he'd rehabilitated Scotland. And I think to a certain degree, Scotland had kind of rehabilitated Walter after, you know, his, his disappointment at Everton, which, you know, never worked out for him. So I thought that was, you know, it was a great move for him to take the job and, you know, it worked for both parties. And, you know, looking now, Rangers coming back in from being involved day to day and, you know, at his club, it was probably too much to to turn down. And I'm sure he gave it serious thought because he looked and he was, I know he was, he was really enjoying the Scotland stuff and, you know, felt we had a chance. So that was, it was a big change, but it was understandable, to be honest, in terms of where he was at and what he was doing and um, where he was in his life, probably, probably felt he had um, another big challenge there at Rangers and Rangers needed a rebuild and he was probably the well he was the best option to do that. When did you realise that you would be soon working with him again? Um, I can't remember the timeline to be honest in terms of there, there, there's, I've got it down as a week between his appointment and you signing. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, quite well. Yeah. well to be honest um, they played from memory they played one game they played against Dundee United at Ibrox and then I think I got a phone call after that I was in and out of the Everton team at that time. I was kind of had opportunities to leave. Um, I wasn't desperate to leave. Everton weren't desperate for me to leave, but my playing time was kind of reducing. So um, there was nothing coming up that really excited me. But then Walter did call me and said, look, would you be interested in coming to Rangers? And Rangers were my team growing up. And um, Walter was obviously somebody I, I really respected. And I spoke to David Moyes at Everton and said, look, I know we've had conversations about me leaving and I've, we've never really felt it was right, but this seems right. And he was like, I agree. I says, I can't, you know, not recommend that you go. And I was pretty much driving up the next day to Rangers. So it was very quick for me, really, in terms of getting the opportunity and deciding it was the right thing. Of course, just with a manager that you, you knew so well, but yeah. the, the, the Scotland replacement for him, Alex McLeish, somebody new to you? He was, yeah, and, I mean, knowing him maybe socially and playing against him maybe and, you know, bits and pieces, but didn't know him in depth and um, or well at all, really, but heard really good things about him, but how he worked and, and how he was as a person. So um, that it was a really good appointment, a really good fit. And, you know, he took over from from where Walter had, had left off, really, and, and kept us competitive in that really difficult group. It did. It felt a bit seamless with... With McLeish, not not too much really changed when he came in the door. Is that right? Yeah, I think he kind of he'd obviously done his homework and he, he trusted the group in terms of the players that were there. The team were performing well. He brought his own staff in as well, who um, who were who were good and who you know kept the momentum going. So it was it was pretty seamless, and um, I think we all knew we were we're kind of in the middle of something that potentially could be exciting. Well, the, it, it did. And I, I can remember vividly watching this game, um, the, the Georgia game at home, and it, it did feel like, oh God, here we go, McLeish's first game in charge. We're gonna, we're gonna shoot ourselves in the foot here with a draw against Georgia. Craig Beatty pops up with the late winner. Yeah, it, it could have been so different, but it went our way on that occasion. Yeah, well, that, that was the thing about Alex. Um, he had this reputation as being like almost lucky. You know, and that, that can be a criticism to people. You know, I, I think it's the opposite. I think it's a really co- a real compliment. And he had this reputation amongst the, the sort of Rangers players as being lucky. And that's how it felt. You know, that game, we score and we score late and we get a good result. And we're like, you know, we were a bit lucky there. 
And it's one of those things, it's a really good habit to have and a really good um, <laughs> thing to be labelled as. And um, he was, I, I couldn't say a bad word about um, Alex McLeish. He was fantastic. He came in and he, he kind of got what the group was about and he, we bought into what he was asking. And again, it was, you know, you looked forward to going and, you know, we felt we were really competitive. Italy beat us on their patch, uh, 2-0, I think. I think Pirlo might have scored a, a good free kick in that game. Mm-hmm. Um, but after that, we went on some run, four wins in a row, Lithuania and the Faroes, and then came France away and Ukraine at home. Two monumental games, occasions. Let's start with France away. Did you really believe it could happen again? <laughs> Probably not. You know, when you're going there, the part of the France, same players, you know, and you're going into a game whereby they're hurting because we've already beat them. So you're thinking, this could be a long night. This could be really, really difficult. And again, completely backs to the wall. Faddy scored from his own half, basically. And <laughs> it was one, It was just one of them. Everything sort of fell into place in terms of, you know, things were hitting us and going over the bar. And Craig Gordon and Goal had a great night. And um, it wasn't quite happening for them. And we made it difficult for them. And we got the goal at a good time. And so it was, again, one of those magical nights where everything fell into place and probably the only way we could have won the game we did and you know it was a it was an unbelievable result again because we'd already beat them you know to beat them home and away was we're starting to think you know we've got to qualify now you know we must qualify we gave ourselves an unbelievable chance take take us uh, as much as you feel is publicly acceptable inside the dressing room after a result like that How, how are the players behaving and responding just as the fans would be like, genuinely, that's, that's how it was. You've got to remember these guys, although they're playing you know, at good levels and maybe got a better profile, they're just fans. They're just Scottish boys who are you have know, just beat France. So like everyone else, and at home, jumping about their living room, we, we're just jumping about the dressing room. And a lot of boys are you know, hugging each other and celebrating with the staff and getting shirts signed and, and things like that. Just what fans would be doing, just exactly the same. Not any different. In terms of um, your behaviours, you're just you're related. You're you can't quite believe it's happened, and and you want to make the most of it. Is it easy to draw an exact parallel with the the France game at Hamden, or do you remember the one away from home being a bit more difficult? I think they're both equally difficult. I think very similar. You know, from my memory, in terms of not really expecting to win before the game, during the game, thinking, oh, you've got a chance, and then hanging on, and then the elation at the end, whereby you managed to get through and get the results. So like, me being me, my thinking is, oh, we've done really well here, but if we don't qualify, what an opportunity missed. That's kind of how, how I work and how my mind works. And and that would probably have been, as well as enjoying at the time, also thinking, right, we've got to make the most of this. The the uh, the Ukraine game that followed that was was massive because we had to, we had to follow up the France game with another three points so that, the win in Paris wasn't negated straight away by a loss. Um, mm-hmm. I remember, I remember watching this one as well. That we just came flying out the traps and Miller's header and then McCulloch's goal from the, the training ground routine just set the tone. And I don't think, in in my memory, recently there has been as an enjoyable Scotland game to watch than that one. Yeah. I can't remember the details, to be honest, but I can remember the result in the game and Lee's goal. And like I say, Kenny was a handful for 
for every team at that time, you know, almost playing up on his up front in his own and just, you know, occupying the full defence. And, you know, we felt we could beat anybody. And that was a good Ukraine team, as you said, the team that had gone far in, in major tournaments and had some superstars playing for it. So, you know, it wasn't an easy result and it wasn't an easy game, but we were flying at that time. You know, we felt like it could beat anyone and you're coming off the back of beating France and all the kind of talk around about it would be all typical Scotland, you know, beat France and then get beaten the next game. And, you know, so to keep that momentum going and, as you say, get four results on the bounce in competitive fixtures against difficult teams was, you know, there was a real good feel-good factor in about the group at the time. It all fell apart. Well, it, began, it began to fall apart in Georgia, away from home. Is there a more painful Scotland game that you've been involved in than that one? Uh, probably not. With, with hindsight, we remember going over and there was a Rangers-Celtic game coming up afterwards and I think a couple of players had you know, never made it. And then going to Georgia is difficult, you know, really difficult. And people won't believe that. But I remember going there. It was it was like in pitch darkness. The country felt like it was in pitch darkness. You're almost like it was like going into proper Eastern Europe. It was it was that kind of feel about it. It was a difficult stadium. They had some young players playing and we were missing a couple. And you felt like it was set up, you know, it was going to be defining the group really. It was a real opportunity. And we went in really confident to win in the game and just circumstances within the game never went our way. I can remember the goal, defending a corner. The corner came in. I got I actually headed the corner away and it hit the defender's or the attacker's head like almost straight away and went in. And it was one of those things and you're going, like, that wasn't meant to happen. That wasn't a, you know, it probably looked like he'd headed it, but like being there and in the instance, I, I knew I headed the ball and it headed mine, his, and went in straight away. And it was like one of these things, like a little moment within the game that just made it really difficult. Their young goalkeeper had one of those days where everything went his way and it was it was really sad and really disappointing but we knew we still had you know a wee chance with the with the last game the, the build up to the Italy game was monstrous um, and until the the Serbia playoff last year it was probably the most recent huge game that Scotland uh-huh. had been involved in like a defining game win and were through it, it was it easy to to try and deal with the pressure that I'm sure must have been coming from the fans the the press and and teammates at club level that sort of thing yeah it was great it was exciting and as I said we were the players at that time were sort of Rangers Celtic players playing the Champions League and you know we had good levels of players so you're going into game we're playing in games like that regularly you're playing in big games regularly so for us and um, me it didn't feel any different it was really exciting because you had big build-up and you know all the things it was the only game in town there wasn't a you know the country was united that was it was one of them, so that that was it's a nice thing. It's a it's a good feeling, and it was really exciting to be involved in that. Just total disbelief when when they take the lead after a minute or two from yeah. the from the throw in. I, I remember the there was such an atmosphere there that night. There was yeah. uh, an air of expectation. There was kind of electricity bubbling away, and then just like that, the balloon was popped when Luca Tony yeah. scored. It was it was hard to stomach. It was, and I agree with you, you know, of all the Hamden nights that I've played and been at, that was up there in the top five, you know, in terms of like France and England and, you know, different games that have been involved in there. The atmosphere there genuinely was electric before the game, as the game started, and then <laughs> to go as flat as it did. I think the only game I can remember 
similar was I was at Rangers Leeds in the um, Ibrox and that was exactly the same. I think it was only Rangers fans in the stadium and Rangers, um, Gary McAllister scored with a volley after I don't know how long and the whole stadium just went silent. You know, apart from maybe one or two fans that sneaked in and that's how Hamden felt at that time. You know, it was just a massive disappointment, you know, because you'd built yourself up for this game and then all of a sudden you were right behind the, the eight ball already. You know, though, we we did fairly well in that game to to come back mm-hmm. and I know Ambrosini had a, a goal wrongly disallowed for them. I can't remember if it was a handball or offside, but mm-hmm. it, it should have stood, I remember. Barry Ferguson equalised for us yeah. from an offside position, it must be said, but you know what, it went our way. At that point, the the injection of adrenaline must have must have felt completely overwhelming. It was. It was exciting, and you know, Hamden, when it's like that, is is special. And you know, it was competitive. You're playing against really, really good players, obviously, and really, really good team. And you know, you just felt like you were in a, you know, a real a real proper game of football that was, as you said, some things had gone for you, some things had gone against you, and it was one of them. It was like. It was like a, a really exciting time and, you know, you knew there was such a big prize at stake. It was like a cup final. So, you know, that was really was the feeling that was round about it at the time. Did you know that you had Italy on the ropes? Could you sense that? I don't know if you ever have them on the ropes, you know. They're such good players that they respond, you know, to, to difficult times and that's why they are top players and, you know, and, you know players that are playing at the top end week in, week out. So they're used to... Um, having problems and finding solutions, so that was kind of where it was. But so were we. So it was a, it was a real top end game, a real pressure game, and um, you know nobody really knew how it was going to end. McFadden's miss at the back post, I think, is the sliding doors moment from that game. Mm. It was put across, and he he was sliding to try and reach it, just didn't make the right contact. Yeah. And then of course they go and score in injury time. It wouldn't have mattered if it finished one one because yeah. a draw wouldn't have been enough. But yeah. that refereeing decision really. Twisted the knife when uh, not Panucci, sorry, uh, who was it that was filled by Alan Hutton? I can't remember. Allegedly yeah, filled by Alan Hutton. It was never a fill. I'm sure you you had that impression on the park no, as well. I don't, I don't get caught up in that. Me personally, like fills happen. The referees sometimes get them right, sometimes get them wrong. We like we and me as a defender and as us as a team, you've got to defend these situations, and you can rely on the referee giving a free kick and the corner flag as being you know, justification for us conceding. So I didn't really buy that. What it did was it stopped us going and getting a goal at the other end or made it harder. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, we were still in control. We can still, you know, deal with that better in terms of how we defended it. And, you know, the ball's still got to go in, in the net from where, where the foul's given. So the referee didn't score. Fair. That's, <laughs> that's how I look at it. Well, the, that must be the, the biggest disappointment, I suppose, bigger than, than the playoff against... England for Euro 2000, losing to Italy in that manner, or was the England situation worse? They're all, I don't know how you scale what's the worst, you know, it's, they're all, ultimately you don't qualify and that's the overriding thing, but in those instances you just, you felt like you gave it a right good go, you know, that's that's the thing, that's that's all you can do as a footballer and as a sportsman, as a person, I think, you can only give your best and I think those groups and those games you spoke about, we, we went and gave our best, we went and had a go and you know, you can say we're unlucky or you can say things that didn't go our well, but loads of things did go our way. It's just, it's really difficult to qualify for tournaments. It was at that stage because you're playing against teams and playoffs and qualifiers and one-off games that you've got to beat. And we beat a fair share of good teams over the period. But, 
we never quite did enough. And that's why it's, you know, it's so good to see the team now get into a tournament, you know, so people can say, oh, they've not done this or not, this hasn't happened or that. They've qualified for a tournament, which we haven't done for a long time, no matter how well we've done, how many good players we've had. Like that, there's a generation of players who've never been a major tournament, and that's such a shame. But it is what it has been really difficult to qualify for tournaments. George Burley replaced Alex McLeish. It, it must have been quite tough to take seeing him head down to Birmingham City. But I think George Burley at the time, I, I certainly was in support of it. He felt like a good choice given what he'd achieved uh-huh. at Hearts recently. Yeah, he was, and he'd had a good career in Hearts and he had a good reputation. Um, with uh, um, different clubs and, and, you know, in different instances. So, yeah, it was a good appointment. And, you know, again, coming to the end of the era, and as you say, it's difficult. Managers left and moved on and, you know, he's got to take that up again. So it's a different challenge again. You only played in four games under him. Was that just purely yeah. an age thing and a, a transitional thing? Yeah, I think it was really. I think it was just probably, I was probably coming to the end of my international career. He was probably wanting to bring in, some younger sort of players to to help his squad and to develop his squad and and look to the future and probably I wasn't I wasn't going to be the future. Well, the you came in for the the last two games of the World Cup 2010 qualifying at home to Macedonia and Holland. You, mm-hmm. you hadn't featured much previously to that. Did you get the impression that it was a case of right? We we need a we need a result here. Let's turn to to Davy Weir. We need to get Davy Weir yeah. back involved. Yeah, probably, but that's fine. You know, that's I understand that, and that's you know that's how it works. And you know, I was happy to come and try and help out if I felt it was valued and I felt like I was wanted. So I was more than happy to, to try and come in and try and you know help with that with that aim. So um, it's never easy coming in and you know coming in a new setup and you know and trying to integrate or come back into a setup. But that's the nature of being a footballer. So that was. I, I completely understood that. And probably there was no point in me being there if I wasn't playing at my age. You know, that, that wasn't a, that didn't make a lot of sense. The the Macedonia game, I think, is particularly remembered for McFadden's goal from the halfway line when he, uh-huh. he skinned a few players and went round the goalkeeper. He, he had a few crackers for Scotland. Would he be the most talented teammate that you played alongside, or have you got another name to throw at me? Um, in terms of Scotland, that, I mean. Yeah, in terms I, of Scotland, yeah. I wouldn't say. Like a very talented James, undoubtedly. Um, he was a friend of mine, James, and I loved playing with him. Played with him at Everton as well, and you know, got to know him really well, and still speak to him. And you know, I do consider him a friend. And I, I wouldn't say he's the most talented player I've played with, but what I would say is he's he was definitely the player that enjoyed playing for Scotland the most, and he rose to the occasion of playing for Scotland. So he really got got the best out of himself when he was playing for Scotland. I thought, you know, he never really replicated that way ever. He did it in flashes, whereas with Scotland, it seemed to be consistently he was the best player and they really impacted the games. And um, it seemed like Scotland was a good fit for him and he was a good fit for Scotland. Even when he wasn't playing for Everton, he'd come up to Scotland and he'd, he seemed like he saved his, his best performances for those games and he was involved in some magic moments. So um, I'd probably put it more in that context, you know, in terms of... Um, he really enjoyed it and he really made the most of it and it gave him a great platform to show himself at his best. Who was the, the most talented or the blessed player then that you, you would think of? With Scott, I'd, I'd probably say Barry Ferguson, to be honest, in terms of 
um, just his ability and his consistency, performance, and and actually affecting the games as individuals. But I mean, I played with with so many good players that at Scotland, you know, the Gary McAllisters, the John Collinses, the Ali McCoys, Colin Hendrys, all these, like Andy Gorham's, Jim Layton's, and then going through the the Burleys and the Lamberts and you know people like that as well. When you go through the the list of caps and and players with you know a lot of caps, and I've been fortunate enough to play with a lot of them, and Dan Fletcher's and James McFadden in the later stages as well. So you know I've I've been really lucky. I had a long Scotland career spread over a long number of years, and and managed to play with loads of different players. And you know it's not it's not about individuals with Scotland. It's about teams, and it's about you know being successful and try to qualify for major competitions. That's that's ultimately what it's all about. Well, Burley left and was replaced by Craig Levine um, for the Euro 2012 qualifying group. Straight away, we were up against it after a draw against Lithuania, but then they beat the Czech Republic to kind of throw things wide open. Have you ever known relief like it when we scored in the 97th minute against the Liechtenstein? I know, yeah, that was that was one of those moments, you know, that like I was involved with the Pharaohs game where, you know, that was a disaster for the country and that game looked like it was going the same way. And then it was it was Steve McManus that scored, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, and it, it was one of those moments where you just think, thank God, that's <laughs> happened. You just think, you know, the fallout, that's your abiding sort of emotion as we are going to get absolutely battered after this by everyone because of this result. This could go down in history as one of the worst ever. So, yeah, that was a massive relief. So that, that, that sort of thing plays on your mind then as the game's unfolding because they, they were 1-0 up with only about 20 minutes or so to go before Kenny Miller equalised. So it's playing mm-hmm. on your mind, the, the potential fallout from after the game. Yeah, definitely. And that's the nature of playing for your country. You know, the stresses that go with it and the, the fallout that comes with it because the games come round few and far between. And, you know, sometimes it, it could be a couple of months before the next one or it really impacts on your chances of qualifying. Whereas one league game or one club game Although, you know, there are games that are defining, you've got very, usually you've got a game very quickly afterwards to respond and, and to, to come back out fighting, whereas internationally that's not always the case. We uh, were beaten away to the Czech Republic 1-0. Craig Levine's tactics are still discussed to this day in that game. Do you feel that more is made of it than necessary or, or were even the players a bit confused at the time? No, weren't they confused? No, not at all. And definitely more has been made of it and you know I think well I know Craig had done it off the back of other teams doing it and playing against like I, I can remember a team playing against Barcelona and playing a similar system and getting a result and we at Rangers at the time we were playing we didn't play without any forwards although it wasn't really without any forwards but that's how it came we played very defensive systems and got results so there's value in it I think Probably the criticism, and if I'm being honest, amongst the group was why we're we playing this system against that team. We're not playing against Barcelona. Or we're not, not. I mean, the players were onside, and players carried out to the best of their ability, definitely. But I think the question mark or the sell would have been it's Czech Republic. It's not Brazil. You know, that's probably been the like where it might have got. Um, there might have been a bit Dubai. He, he he makes the point now on on Sports Sound or in any media appearances where it comes up that like it was a set piece that Scotland conceded from yeah. that night. We weren't cut open, so technically 
the game plan did its job, but we fell asleep at a, a set piece. Yeah, I mean, set pieces are very important, a very important aspect of the game, and ultimately the result defines whether it was the right or wrong decision. And, you know, Craig's been battered for that formation. But, you know, if you actually look at the personnel and you look at um, who's involved, then, you know, there, there were forward-thinking players in the team. It was just, was kind of positioned as being playing with no forwards, and it was a 4-6-0, and, you know, it's probably a little bit too much for everyone to take. But if we got a result, it wouldn't have been spoken about. The the game at Hamden against Spain was so close to being won for the ages. That that must be up there with... They must be up there with France um, in 2006 and seven in terms of quality of opposition. Yeah, definitely. That I mean, that team was the the best, one of the best ever, I think, in terms of, you know, what whether it's the Barcelona team or the Spanish team, it's, you know, a combination of some of the best players in the world from, you know, a few different clubs with Spain and a few different nationalities with Barcelona, whereby iconic and, you know, to compete against those teams and to have them in Glasgow and to see them up close is, it's a privilege as a player and, and as a fan. So it's great to be involved in those sort of occasions and, and play against those types of players and, and compete against the very best. When PK stuck it into his own net, the, the elation was incredible. I was there that night. It, it was phenomenal. On the park, how, how easy is it to get swept away in that? I suppose similar to when Caldwell scored against France and Ferguson scored against Italy. You don't, I don't, personally. I, like, I'm working, you know, whatever way you dress up. After in the dressing room, we're fans, but when you're on the pitch for that night, minutes, you're at work and you're you're working so and as a defender you realize the importance of focus and concentration as you get older and I was old <laughs> so I'd been through plenty of experiences where I know it can go from very very good to very bad very quickly so my immediate personal response and it's not very um I don't know what the right word is but it's probably no something that you'd expect but my immediate reaction is well what can go wrong here what you know how how am I going to protect us to you know so we don't make a mess of this. I was going to swear there, but make a mess of this. So how, what do we need to do to ensure that we get the maximum out of that? So that's how my mind would work as a defender. I'd how, think, how do we protect this or how do we make it better? How do you feel you were coping? You must have been in your 40th year at that point and you've got players like David Silva and Iniesta and David Villa, Torres mm-hmm. maybe running at you and passing around you with the ball. Um, I was used to it and I, I was fortunate. Like, if I'm in the team, you know, and Walter, obviously, while I was at Rangers, he realised that and helped me with that. Is It's all about the sum of your parts. So it's how your team's set up. And there's no point in me and putting me in the team and standing on the halfway line if I'm 41, 42 and, you know, having 30, 40 yards of space behind you and having a race with the sort of players you've mentioned. So it's all about the style and the system. And that's probably why you know, the managers you've mentioned, like Craig and um, George, brought me back because it maybe wasn't working another way, so they've maybe tried to go and do something else. So there's an element of, you know, the team being set up to suit how I was playing, I think, by by that stage of my career. I think there's only certain ways you can play when you've got a 40, 41-year-old centre-back. The, the ge- generation slightly before me, um, I was born in 93, so a bit young to remember the the 2-2 game against Belgium properly. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the generation can immediately before me refer to that as one of the qualification games that is really hard to 
to accept even all this time later. For yeah. me, the, for me, the equivalent is the two-two draw against the Czech Republic at Hamden, where Dan Fletcher put us two-one up, and then they scored a penalty in the last the last second um, to make it two-two. And again, that proved the difference between us making the playoffs or not. Yeah. And I think what makes it so hard is that it was it was such a, a clear dive, as you pointed out. Some things go yeah. for you, some things go against you. Yeah. But that that must have been really hard to take because we had done well to get back in front against what was a good seed, a, a good side. As and these are the things, the definitive things that they, you know, make or break a campaign. And ten games, twelve games, eight, whatever that campaign is, you know, with playoffs and all the rest of it, it usually comes down to instances. And when you score goals in the Parc de Prince like Faddy does and Gary Caldwell's header, and you know, different things or the free kick in the corner, it's amazing how these little things almost become the reason we did or we didn't qualify. And it's not; it's a combination of everything, you know. And you've got to get the vast majority of those things going your way to qualify and you've got to get a bit of luck. And even recently with the team, with the penalties and, you know, maybe no playing so well, but winning on penalties and it's, everything's great, but it's not really been like that, you know, so you just need the wee bit of luck and a wee bit of fortune to go your way. And it's, it's fine lines between qualifying and not qualifying and, and big disappointment and, and big pleasure. And, you know, just thankfully now, you know, all these, Bad memories and difficult times are hopefully going to be superseded by a, you know, another another tournament. I suppose it, it will have just ended for you naturally with the national team at that age. There was there was no need to formally say that you know that's it. I'm done. No, I'm still available, so <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure it'd be wise. But no, I had I had a few comebacks in my my Scotland career, and also you know I had a few dark moments where I wasn't involved. Well. You know, one in particular, and I'm so glad. I'm so glad and so happy I got the opportunity to end it on a relatively positive note. And you know, and to get 69 caps, you know, for your country and to be on that kind of board of in the top 10 all-time cap um, capped players is is something that you know will be there for a long time. I think so. I'm I'm really proud of that. And you know, some of the memories I've had with Scotland and some of the 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 laughs and um, the joys of travelling and seeing different things and playing against some of the world's best players. It's been an incredible experience and something that um, I'm really proud to have been part of. And you scored a goal. We didn't even touch on that against Latvia <laughs> in, in 2001. Craig Brown's final game, many. yeah. I never scored many for Scotland. And, um, so I'm probably going to let you qualify for more tournaments as well. Well, uh, we'll finish just with a, a couple of quick-fire questions. Try not to think about your answer too much, just instinctive yeah, if possible. Um, you've, you, you've already said that Ferguson was the, the most talented player. Who was your who was your toughest opponent for Scotland? Zidane, that's easy. He was the best, undoubtedly. And that, that performance in um, France when they beat us 5-0, you know, just to see him up close and see him at his best, it was um, awe-inspiring. And that, like, I've been fortunate. Club career played against some, like, Messi's and Ronaldo's and you know, the best of the best, but Zidane, for me, was just like, I thought he was like, you're almost watching him in awe because left foot, right foot balance could do everything. He was he was definitely the one. What What's your best Scotland memory on the park? Um, I'd say the game in the Parc de France, I think, when Faddy scored that goal and that result because that was so unexpected against a good team. And then to do it twice, I think, was 
was really, really special. And that was a special group that, yeah, really good memories. What's your, your biggest, in isolation, your biggest disappointment um, in, in a game? In a Scotland, biggest disappointment in a Scotland game? It'd probably be the Italy game, the last game. Like, even though them scoring at the end, that wasn't a, the reason we didn't qualify, it felt like that. So that was probably the biggest disappointment was having done so well in that campaign, beating France twice, beating Ukraine, you know, getting some really good results and then not qualifying. You feel like that was a massive opportunity missed. So probably run about that. Who was your favourite defensive partner? Um, that's hard. But I'd probably say probably Gary Caldwell in a national front. I think we probably complemented each other quite well in terms of had a reasonably successful run of games and probably similar in terms of how we played and probably understood each other. So I'd probably say Steve McManus was good as well. Enjoyed playing with Stephen, um, Gary, probably left some players out. So I'll, go, I'll just go with my first choice and not worry about it. <laughs> and your, your favourite Scotland manager? Oh, that's a hard one. Um, I'll give Walters my favourite Rangers manager, so I'll give Craig Brown my favourite. How <laughs> <laughs> democratic, very good. <laughs> All right then, uh, that has been some run through, Davey, absolutely superb, unbelievable amount of caps, a goal to add into the mix as well, brilliant yeah. stuff, just a shame that we never got it over the line um, during your era. Yeah, I'll just have to go as a fan now, and well I got to the World Cup, don't forget that, so I, I'm of course, yeah, of course, yeah. for that, I was, <laughs> at, I was at a tournament, it's just everybody else that never got it. Yeah. <laughs> of course, uh, thanks very much for joining, and uh, all the best. No problem, thank you. Podcast Network.